you're here on College Radio are these kids who are not jaded by working in any kind of career for any period of time. They're starting out and for them music is currency and cool music and new music is the most valuable currency of all and sharing that currency with other people and saying listen to this record it's changed my life is what it's all about. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. I'm Paul Riesmandel. I'm Eric Klein. It's called Radio Day, everybody. It's not called Radio I Day know, today. It's not today, but it's coming. <laughs> I Don't get you know excited. every day? Yeah. Every day is College Radio Day, Eric. <laughs> that voice is Jennifer Waits. We're all so excited about College Radio Day. It's like I'm a kid at Christmas where, you know, I know that College Radio Day is 10 days from, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's College Radio Day in my heart all, all season long. So if you haven't guessed, that's what today's episode <laughs> is all about. We're going to be talking about uh, College Radio Day with its founder, Rob Quick, who is also a college radio advisor himself at WPSC at William Patterson University in New Jersey, uh, the, the state where I grew up, where I hail from, where I went to college and also learned yes. about college radio, as you'll hear about <laughs> so, in this, uh, in this long, uh, wide ranging interview. Yeah. You, what you have in store, dear listener is a whole lot of heaps of love for, for college radio, why it exists and why it needs to persist. And then yes, you'll hear a little bit of pure New Jersey New Jersey nerddom. <laughs> Though Rob does not have a Jersey accent. Yeah. He has nothing remotely like does a New Paul Jersey Reisman accent. Does have a Jersey yes. accent? You know, uh, if we had podcasted immediately upon my arrival from New Jersey uh, a week or so ago, <laughs> yes, you'd, <laughs> hey, you'd, have, you'd have heard it. Jennifer Waits, why are you excited about College Radio Day? <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, that's <laughs> because College Radio is is the thing that I obsess about on a daily basis. So, and and you know the reason that I started writing about college radio was really to try to bring stations together and bring stories of college radio to people who've never listened before. So, it it's very similar to the mission of College Radio Day in, you know, reminding people that college radio matters, that college radio exists. And, and also getting participants to connect with each other. Because often I think we're, we can be insular in our own college radio station day-to-day activities. So we'll hear in the interview, you know, some examples of how having a day set aside where you're focusing on college radio might actually bring stations together. Yeah, certainly the theme of, of the interview is, yes, there is one day called College Radio Day, but... Uh, the themes and the practices of this one day, uh, it certainly would not hurt the world of college radio if if, if some of those ideas were replicated uh, all year long. Celebrating the, your, your station, connecting with your community uh, of listeners, uh, finding some new listeners out there in your community, as well as uh, connecting you know, with other stations, uh, finding strength together. I dare say it's advice that anyone at any college, community, right. public radio station, um, great local uh, independent commercial station Podcasters. or podcast. Yeah. This advice is for anyone. And frankly, if you're involved in any sort of project where you you hope to develop an audience or a community, there's advice in here for you. So, so yeah, even if you're point. not particularly interested in college radio, 
I think you should continue to stay tuned in. You continue <laughs> to listen. And I think because there's something for everyone to glean. So I think at that, uh, let's jump into our interview with Rob Quick. Hey, Rob. It's Rob Quick from College Radio Day. And, and we're here again. College Radio Day is upon us on October 6th. So we wanted to bring you back in to the podcast and talk about the history of College Radio Day and what is in store for this year's College Radio Day. So maybe if you could just quickly tell me how long College Radio Day has been around and why you started it. Sure. Well, thank you for having me um, on the podcast. I do listen myself regularly. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it does go back. This is our seventh College Radio Day now, and it's unbelievable. As you said, it's sort of this thing seems to come around basically once a year. And it's hard to sort of fathom almost where that time went. Um, but the idea came to me uh, seven years ago when I was watching this film, after I'd seen this film called um, The Social Network, the story about Facebook. Remember the, uh, that film about how it was founded? And I just thought to myself, I was excited by the early stages of that film, the story of Facebook, how this thing sort of spread and went viral, and people were excited and attracted to this thing, and it brought people together before the end of the film and everything gets a bit dark and twisted and, and sordid. But um, certainly at the beginning, uh, I, I was very it's sort of enthused by that. And so I thought to myself, what if there was something that we could do or could be done that would unite college radio stations? And I went to bed and woke up the next morning with College Radio Day. And uh, I thought to myself, well, surely that's obviously been done. Um, someone's done that. And I did do a Google search. And I saw a few stations had collaborated. And, but certainly I don't think on a national level had, had they done that. So I think really, really going back to 2011, I was really sort of very, um, I don't know, um, eager to see whether stations would join this. And we set up a website. I started out myself and a guy called Pete Creighton, who's in Chicago at WXV Chicago, a station I used to be GM of, and he succeeded me. And um, I, I set this thing up, and, and we very quickly found within like three or four months for the first one in October 2011 that we had – um, like over 350 stations participate. And it was really, really amazed. And the whole idea was to unite together and to promote what we're doing, to sort of say to people, hey, listen, tune into College Radio on this day. You might not normally uh, listen to College Radio, but on this day, give it a shot. You might like what you hear and stay listening. And in addition to that, hey, um, College Radio, by the way, does exist. Um, Rumours of our death have been greatly exaggerated. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so it, it was, it was a, the day genuinely was actually a celebration of College Radio um, but at the media, they picked up on it at the time. And I remember that's when I really started to interact with you. And you said to me, is this in response to what had been going on at that time? Was there been quite a few stations that had been sold off or shut down or whatever? And it was genuinely, honestly, not a response to that, although that sort of coincided with College Radio Day at that time. So it's always been a celebration, not like a protest or not like a, a, a day of defiance, although people can do with it what they will, I suppose. Right. Yeah, that was a particularly dramatic year in 2011. So yeah. a lot was going on in college radio. So in, in 2017, how many stations do you have signed up so far to participate? We are approaching 400 registrations. We'll have over 400. I mean, when we first started this, I mean, I think a high point was we had 500 stations in the U.S. participate. We have lost stations. I think we, the biggest group of stations that we've lost are high school radio stations. And I tell you why, because they have uh, their own day now because they said, listen, we, we love college radio day, but how about, how, how about high school radio day? Hmm. That's fantastic. So, so there were, I think 80 stations now do that. And we're very lucky if we get any high school stations for that day. I mean, they're still, oh, got it. So we do that. And then obviously the, the, the sort of unintended 
um, side effects or consequences of doing College Radio Day, and it's a nice thing, totally unexpected, was that we attracted the attention of college radio stations outside of America. And I think even for the very first one, we had Jamaica participate in Canada. And um, up to 43 countries have participated this year. I think we're 25, maybe more countries, uh, maybe maybe 26 countries participating around the world. And so outside of America, it's known as World College Radio Day. And that was not something that I was looking to do, not something that I planned on doing, but sort of happened as I was contacted by stations. And so now we have World College Radio Day. And the big thing for World College Radio Day that they do uh, is um, we have a 24-hour global marathon, which is really very, very exciting. So, so one country at a time takes the marathon and they um, do, do an entire hour from their country. A bit like um, KFJC's, imagine what you've just done. You were just in, where are you, Finland or Iceland? Iceland last week and we're in, we're in Liverpool today. Right, with the Psychedelic Festival. So it's a bit like that, Jennifer. You know that feeling you get when you listen to a station coming from another country, even though it's your own station, there's still that incredible sort of sense of excitement, like, wow, I'm listening to God's radio thousands of miles away. And that's yeah, what we get. Yeah. We get, like, I think Sweden is hosting it this year, K103 in Gothenburg. Then it goes to Australia, then it goes to New Zealand, Hong Kong, Philippines, United Arab Emirates, Israel, Turkey, Greece, Finland, Germany, Italy, Denmark, France, Norway, United Kingdom, Portugal, Ireland, Canada, USA, Colombia, Costa Rica, and they end it with Sweden. So these are... Um, I can never stay up for the, the entire thing. But uh, when you listen to that, it's this incredible feeling of camaraderie and unity. It's quite emotional in a way because you realize, you know, bloody hell, we're all in this thing together. Everyone is united. And there are, you know, hundreds of stations participating in this event. So it's, it's a very, it's, it, you know, the, the idea is very, very simple, isn't it? Just let's just celebrate who we are and what we do. But at the same time, when you actually tune in and listen to what the stations are doing, particularly in America, the things that some stations do, and the the effort they put in is sort of it's really quite moving in a way. Mm. So, if people want to listen to the global marathon, what's the best way for them to access it? Well, we do have a website for World College Radio Day, worldcollegeradioday.com, and um, Radio Jars, the company in Greece, I think they are, that's actually donating the bandwidth and the technology to do it all. So, you can go to worldcollegeradioday.com, and College Radio Day will also we'll put the, the link up as well. Um, and, you know what what I think is happening. Um, is that w when you listen to these stations, as I do, and obviously they're broadcasting in their own native language, um, you don't understand what they're saying, right? You don't sometimes understand, for example, I don't understand German, I don't understand Norwegian. Um, however, it's almost, uh, I want to say almost, because obviously an understanding of that language would add to your appreciation, but it's almost like you don't need to understand in a way in order to grasp and to fully appreciate the fact that these these people are totally enthusiastic and they're excited and it, it's it's a an event that is uh you know global event really so it, it's an exciting time i actually last year i listened for part of it and listened to a station that i had visited in ireland Flirt, Flirt FM. fm yeah yeah and um and there were people on the air who I had met. So for me, it was super <laughs> exciting. And I ended up interacting with them over social media while they were broadcasting. And then they ended up talking about me on the air. And it was this amazing, um, definitely a small world moment and a great feeling of college radio bonding. So I'm, I'm super jazzed that you guys are doing that from year to year. I think it's a great idea. And I can confirm that Flirt FM from Galway will be joining us again. The marathon. Awesome. And yeah. then in 
in the States, I know over the years you've had special College Radio Day programming that College Radio Day, the organization has put together, like documentaries. Mm. Um, is anything like that happening this year? Yeah. So, so what happened this year, the, the theme was um, Passionately Vocal, Seriously Local. And you know what we've done, and, and you know this, Jennifer, because we've talked about it in the past. We've had, normally we have a keynote, uh, we had like Sean Lennon last year, and we've had people in the past, Wyclef Jean and people like that, Dave Mustaine. So we've had like some, some pretty big musical names. But this year, the emphasis changed completely, and we wanted to do something about uh, connecting with the local communities that often, you know, it's college radio that shines a spotlight on communities that don't obviously get heard anywhere else. So we did something completely different. Now, World College Radio Day, which is obviously the same event, but outside of America, the theme that they took was sort of rather dramatic, although not inappropriate for the times we live. Uh, is this the end of the world as we know it? And, and because of all that's going on, and you can talk about international events and political tensions between countries, and you can talk about uh, natural disasters as well. In fact, actually, can I just say at this point, one of the one of the uh, stations that normally participates in World College Radio Day, Radio Unam, mm. in Mexico City, uh, 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 Georgina Tapia is the manager there. She emailed us, and um, this a few days ago, at the beginning of the week, and their their station is essentially gone um, in oh the earth. So they are. They said we can't participate because our station's basically damaged. So it's been. So we've been reaching out. What what can we do to help? And they said we just don't know how to even begin assess assessing the damage right now. So they're going to let us know what's going on. So, um, yeah. Um, so we, we got pretty serious this year. Um, and so I think uh, normally we have like musicians and a bit of celebrity. I think this year we've gone for something completely different. The documentary that we're working on the one hour is all about how stations are connected. And so we've got the Charlottesville. Remember that uh, Uniting for Charlottesville uh, WTJU did in um, way back after the uh, uh, the awful events happen there and then um, we've also got some interviews with uh, or we've got, got some features provided by stations who have covered stories in their communities that have not been covered anywhere else and we are actually and here's the thing about it it's actually uh, we thought it might be easier getting someone a big name in the news to do an interview with as our keynote and i'm telling you right now we've never had a situation like this where we're two weeks out from college radio day and we've not yet finished nailing down someone for the keynote because uh, i'm talking like a a big name, journalism name, uh, because th these obviously natural disasters and events keep happening and they are out of the country. So mm -hmm. we're going to be trying up until the last to get people. But I do know this, that um, we have, uh, although I think we're not going to unveil them for this Cards Radio Day, but we're going to be doing another PSA about the importance of Cards Radio. And we've got some really big industry names, radio industry names, who've got behind that now. So we're doing another PSA probably coming out in November where we've got some really quite well-known people who are um, lending their name to a PSA. We did this series called College Radio, now more than ever. And this one is about how um, a lot of people in the professional radio industry really credit College Radio for giving them their start. And even if you don't work in the broadcast industry, College Radio gives you a great start for any career because it gives you really important skills and develops your uh, you know, effectiveness in communication. So... Um, that's happening, but really the actual feature that we're putting together is really very serious for what we've done. Um, and I think it's appropriate for the times that we're living in. I mean, um, it's been kind of a very difficult year for a lot of people. 
So, Rob, you are a college radio advisor, correct? You, you're at WPSC, which is at William Patterson University in New Jersey. And so what kind yep. of excitement is there amongst the students there at WPSC to be part of College Radio Day? Oh, it's great. I mean, considering the fact that it basically started here, we now have established a tradition. I mean, seven years in college terms is a long tradition uh, for the for the kids coming in. Um, but no, this is... Um, Something that, as I get older, um, it's a bit tougher to to keep up with them. But these these kids, they'll be up for 24 hours at least. But here's the other thing that I think is really excellent. So uh, Montclair State, WMSC, is not too far away, just a stone's throw, 15 minutes by car. And they've become like our sister station. And it's, it's kind of ironic because um, there's no real sense of competitiveness there, except for when we were both nominated for Marconi Award. Um, and we, 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 we all met up in Austin, Texas a couple weeks ago. Um, but, but even that was friendly. Even that was like, well, you know what? If we don't win and you do, we're happy for you. So there's a sense of collaboration. So our kids will be collaborating with other uh, stations. We've, we've done something with SOU here, Seton Hall, that's also nearby in South Orange. Um, we've had a situation where Seton Hall actually invited as many uh, New Jersey stations as possible to come and join them because they have... Uh, I'm rather jealous, a spectacularly powerful wattage compared to most college radio stations. And the location means they do have a really good audience. So th- what it is is that we'll be doing our own events. We'll be having bands in, artists, that kind of stuff. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, we'll probably be, and I certainly will be on the road that day just visiting local stations, the sense that we're all in the same boat together. And that's what it's about. That's is, 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 College radio, like any industry, um, has all these different organizations, right? So it's sort of fragmented in a way. Um, and all these organizations do good work. You have IBS, CBI, BEA, CMA. You used to have CMJ, goodbye to them. And you've got all these different organizations. And, and so, therefore, there can be a sort of fragmentation that occurs that stations that, well, I'm, I only do IBS events, or, well, I only do CBI events, or, well, I only do BEA events or CMA. There can be that fragmentation. And, and, and uh, each to their own, we're not here to tell anyone what to do. But there should be a day, in my opinion, when we put aside any kind of like rivalries to collaborate and to celebrate the unique medium of college radio, to celebrate ourselves in a way that you don't have to compromise your independence whatsoever or your integrity by participating. And I've even heard in the time that we've been doing college radio of extraordinary stories, like two uh, rival stations who have a history of bitterness between them, and I won't Mm. say who they are, in the state I heard that like, for, for decades, there was this legendary rivalry between two stations. And one, this is going back probably three or four years ago, for one college radio day, one reached out and said, hey, do you want to do something together? And they said, like, what, work with each other? And they ended up doing it. And apparently it was something out of a movie from what I was uh, described, what was described to me was that they, they did like a joint console or something. It went really, really well. And people were like crying and hugging and like this emotional reunion or connection. Um, and that was because College Radio Day uh, brought them together. And the message is we're all in this thing together. And everyone is very fiercely independent and proud of what they're doing. And that's why we, you know, stations say, what do we have to do with College Radio Day? And we say, whatever you want, um, which is actually ironically a bit of a problem because uh, stations say, no, just tell us what we can do. And I'm like, well, you know, you can play this one hour thing that we do, this simulcast, you can play our sweepers, whatever. We have interviews, you can do that. But really, however you want to st- celebrate, do that. But use the day, take this event, use it as a vehicle 
to promote college radio on and off campus because God knows there's a lot of administrators who don't care at all about college radio. Probably don't care to, you know, in these colleges where there are stations, they're like, yeah, whatever, you're still around. So if you use it as a, as a vehicle, as an event to justify your continuing existence and to make a case, look at us, we're engaged, we're re-energized. We are, um, you know, probably a lot of people will listen to us that you don't realize. So, Use it as a vehicle to justify your continuing existence and obviously use it as, a, as an event to build uh, uh, your listenership as well. I, th- I think that's a great admonition you make there, Rob, um, because that's something which we talked about many times on the show here. And is that how stations need to think about their visibility and their value on the regular. This has to be part of your sort of almost, you know, daily, monthly, annual operations. And it's great that you point out that College Radio Day is a great rallying point that allows you to to point out not only how important your station is to your particular campus and your community, but then say, but it's this background of this overall importance. See, we're part of this movement. We're it's and because you're right, any given administrator may not be aware of the fact that there's even another another college radio station 15 minutes down the road uh you know and and think about that in terms of their own station that they're that that it is actually a healthy evolving growing movement as opposed to something which gets forgotten about because it's you know located in some basement uh somewhere on campus yeah well you know my my, my response to that is that um uh, it's just one day right and it would be a shame if stations wouldn't join us for that day because of whatever. You know, well, we're too big for this or, you know, everyone's doing it, so we shouldn't do it. That sort of contrarian thing where if everyone does something, then obviously we're not. But here's the thing. No one has to compromise anything about who they are. Um, it is a genuine celebration. And because when we do come together, we take notes. So one of the things that we've been working on now uh, it's our second year of doing it. So we have sponsors for the event. No one's, by the way, no one's paid a penny to do College Radio Day. We all do this in our spare time. And as we get closer to the day, it becomes spectacularly intense and um, very sort of physically and emotionally draining. But one of the things, okay, let's get sponsors for this now because we've got hundreds of stations. Let's get sponsors, but let's not pay anyone. Let's take that sponsor money and just give it straight back to college radio stations. And last year, for the first time, I mean, okay, yeah, it's not going to change the world. We gave away $3,000, which was like, you know, not a massive amount of money, but that was what we that's what we got through the sponsors. Uh, this year we've got more sponsors, so we're giving away five thousand. Next year we're going to set a target for more, and I just just see it getting bigger and bigger. And what we do is we then say to the stations after College Radio Day, listen, if you need help, and somebody I've heard of stations going off the air because their mixer, their board broke down, and they couldn't afford five hundred dollars to bring out someone to fix it, so they've gone off the air. I mean, that's ludicrous. We shouldn't be in a situation where a station goes off the air or, or, or shuts down because they didn't have the resources to continue. And we want to be in a situation where we can really help stations um, do stuff like that, essential things like that. And, and also fun things like, you know, we want to send our kids to a conference. We want to do a promotional event, a special event. So we're going to be giving away $5,000 this year, which is an increase of $2,000. Again, not like life-changing money, but, you know, we're a small grassroots kind of thing. No one gets paid or volunteer. And we're, we're proud of, of what we're doing and, and think it's the right thing to do. And, the stations that got the grants last year were very, very excited and happy and said it really helped. So that's the sort of direction we're going. Rob, I think what a lot of people don't realize is how low budget so many college radio stations are and that these small amounts of money, you know, are really a big deal for them. So it, it's great that you guys have added the scholarship 
this grant component to College Radio Day. Well, you, okay, you actually said scholarship there, and then yeah, yeah. itself to say grants because the idea actually is ne- yeah the next step is the scholarships. So in in the fall we have College Radio Day, and the money we're going to do with that it, it raise from sponsorship will go to grants, and then the event that we've done now a couple of times is Vinylthon, and that was just a fun thing to coincide a record store day, and we. I know we've been, we all love vinyl, we've been talking about that, but the, the vinyl thing, um, we had 75 stations last year, before that 50 stations, and we came up with this little fun idea that any station that can go 24 hours of just playing vinyl only, right, just, just vinyl only for 24 hours, and not insignificant achievement, would get this you know, golden slip mat that we had professionally designed um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and made, a real, real slip mat made out of that heavy, thick felt stuff. And we had something, so I thought, well, we'll get like four or five stations doing that. And we had something like 17. And I was like, good grief. These, these kids, they love it, right? They love a challenge. You say, let's do this for fun. And 17 stations, I think it was, um, end up being awarded this golden slipper. So what we're going to start doing that is, is getting sponsors for that. And then with the money that we get for Vinylthon, that will go towards uh, scholarships for students because there's some great kids out there. I think it would be an absolute tragedy if some really talented broadcasters who are in college, they're getting a communication degree or whatever, um, for some reason, presumably economic reason, might not finish their degree or for whatever reason they're going through economic hardship. If we can raise money to help those kids finish school, who knows, they might go on and, and achieve great things in the broadcast industry or whatever. The point is that we want to be able to have some radio scholarships for kids who are really involved in college radio. We're on the line with Rob Quick, who is the vice president, is this right, of College Radio Day? I like. I think that's a great title. I'm now, <laughs> I'm now just the, uh, the founder, You're because the, we have president and vice president now. And we're, we're talking with Rob because College Radio Day is imminently upon us. And Rob, I want to take this opportunity to ask you uh, kind of one of the driving questions of Radio Survivor. Usually I make Jennifer Waits answer this question. Um, why college radio? Why do you think college radio is important and needs to be celebrated? Uh, well, <laughs> you can look at it two ways. Number one, what would you lose? And I could do a list of things there. But let me be positive. Let me say like this, that it's where it begins. It's where uh, people's broadcasting careers begin. It's a place where I believe there. okay, college radio is raw. It's full of mistakes. It's rough. It's a bit scruffy around the edges. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's not a place of polish. It's not a place of uh, perfection. And in fact, the very reason why it's so brilliant is because it's a place of total authenticity. And because what you'll hear on College Radio are these kids who are not jaded by working in any kind of career for any period of time. They're starting out, and for them, music is currency. And cool music and new music is even the most valuable currency of all. And sharing that currency with other people and saying, listen to this record, it's changed my life, is what it's all about. For them, they will literally mean that. I mean, they, they sincerely say, this record is the best thing I've heard. This connects with me, and you have to hear this. To have an, an incredibly infectious talent and enthusiasm and passion and mistakes are going to be made and there's going to be dead air sometimes things don't go to plan but you're not going to hear anything like it in terms of radio because once you get to commercial radio i'm not knocking commercial radio because i'm a consumer of it like anyone else 
there's a college radio where you're going to hear the unexpected. It's the sort of radical nature of college radio that is so wonderfully, sort of gloriously authentic, where you can get one song being played and then a, a completely different type of song following it. And then you just get the sort of incredibly unguarded, passionate sharing of the, of the students who go on the airwaves. And it's, they're not jaded. It's, it's unfiltered. It's, it's authentic. And that's why college radio is so important. It's, it's not for everyone. It's never meant to be mainstream. I don't think mainstream could handle it anyway. Mm-hmm. But college mm-hmm. radio also plays music you're not going to hear anywhere else. Programming you're not going to hear anywhere else gives a voice to those people who would not be heard anywhere else. It has to be maintained. It has to survive. It has its, has its place within culture, within the larger culture. It's sort of on the periphery there. But like fine art or opera or something, if it were to disappear, it would be a huge loss for everyone. And, and I want to chime in because, you know, talking to Rob, who's, who's at uh, WPSC in uh, Wayne, New Jersey, um, it's my old home stomping grounds. I'm from New Jersey. I went to college in New Jersey at, at what is now known as the College of New Jersey, but uh, used to be known as Trenton State College. And it's amazing to me. It's wonderful to hear that uh, there is this uh, collaboration going on between these uh, state college stations in New Jersey. Because I think that's something probably people from outside the state or even within the state don't even realize is that almost all of the state colleges have, still have a college radio station. Yeah. That is student run. And when I was at WTSR, uh, now going back to the early nineties, you know, we, I was the program director for the station and the station manager and I, we were both students, uh, took our a summer, I think before our senior year to go and visit other stations. And we went to WPSC and we went to the station at Montclair state, uh, university down the road there from, from Wayne, um, to try and sort of forge these connections. And we weren't quite successful in, in, in creating a kind of network like we'd hoped, although we still had sort of folks on speed dial because this is the pre email days. So we had to actually call each other on the telephone. Uh, but even that experience of visiting these other stations was great because up to that point, the only college radio station I'd been to or been in was the one I worked at, at, at WTSR. And the opportunity there, not just to broadcast, but to try and direct broadcasting, right? To be the program director, to have some say over what goes on the air, and to have to make hard decisions sometimes and to work with some 80 plus volunteer DJs, which included college stations and community volunteers and learn how to balance people's egos and interests along with the requirements of broadcasting, the legal requirements we had to do with the FCC, as well as keeping our advisor happy and often keeping the college happy, right? To make sure that we were playing within the rules there. I mean, that was a a tremendous education that went way beyond anything. I had an opportunity to do in a classroom. I'm hearing the origin story of Paul Reisman. Right yes, my very ears. indeed. <laughs> and and it's what allowed me to uh, think about getting into radio, into community radio then when I went off to graduate school in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, where I stayed in community radio for four decades. Um, and it's it, yes, it's about broadcasting. And broadcasting is still here, by the way. And podcasting, I think, is the is the next generation of broadcasting. You see many college radio students, I think, getting into podcasting and getting into other sorts of new media. But it's not just about that. It's about this experience of creating something, I think, together and having to work it out together, right? I mean, maybe you see that, Rob, in, in the way that the students at WPSC 
have to collaborate and get along and find ways to work out common interests for this enterprise, which doesn't just stay on campus, but radiates out miles beyond to the communities of northern New Jersey. Yeah, I completely do. I mean, I want to uh, name a specific student or former student, and that was a student called Stephen Pisaha. He came as a freshman to the station, and he was, uh, I think the first show he did, he was shaking, right? He was sh- visibly shaking. He was terrified. And and we, he he got this name. I didn't give it to him. I haven't called him Nervous Steve. And he did mind it because he was happy that he had been given a nickname. So Nervous Steve would do his um, do his shows. And he was, the first year, he was terrified when he went on the air. His voice was shaking and stuff like that. I mean, bless his heart that he persevered and uh, got through that. But he was still called Nervous Steve. So then Nervous Steve worked his way up. By the time he was a junior, he was on management. By the time he was a senior, he was, he was good. He was very good. And he was our program director. And he said, I want to do radio. I love radio. And I love NPR. I love doing public radio, that kind of stuff. So he got, I think I wrote a recommendation to get into Columbia University in New York. And he got in to do journalism, MA. And then he applied. There were only three uh, Ray Kroc fellowships that NPR gives right they give three a year to to students who apply very very hard to get one and he got one and he's just finishing up now from from that year where he's been going across the country he's been in dc doing all sorts of stuff and i i turned on this is i turned on um (laughs) the um the radio the other day listening to um, my local npr affiliate and i thought what I, i recognize that voice it was him he was actually, his um, reporting was on the air. And I thought to myself, that's it, that's it. That's, that's College Radio right there, what we did for Steve. Because he started out terrified and now confident and, and doing incredible things. And that's, that, that's the process. And the other thing is this, that College Radio is never going to have massive audiences. I hear you know, college administrations make these cases all the time where no one listens, no one listens. Um, I don't think that's the case. And certainly if there is an audience sometimes, yeah, sure, it might be very small. But um, I think sometimes you could actually make a counter-argument and say, well, audience is almost irrelevant to the extent that um, as an activity for students, academic studies have been made, um, have been conducted, like, for example, I think it was Holly, Holly Wagg in 2004 did a study, and she concluded um, in her paper that regardless of the size of the audience, the uh, participation, the act, the act of creating radio on college radio actually is tremendously empowering and, and, and gives a lot of confidence um, to those students who are doing it. it. It boosts their communication skills and it helps them express themselves and form self-identity. So I think college radio as, as an exercise, as an activity, is tremendously valuable. But of course, I do believe there are many audiences. I think there are many people who get it and realize there has to be a place on the dial or online, because there's a lot of web streaming stations, where um, you're going to hear music you're not going to hear anywhere else, and you're going to hear DJs who uh, are not soulless or you know polished to perfection. You're going to hear DJs who are going to be um, really authentic, and they're going to open up, and they're going to share some stuff that uh, can be you know can be brave in many ways, you know. So that that for me is a little bit of a snapshot as to what I think Codge Radio is all about. And I think in that sort of analysis of there being an audience or not an audience, I think it's important to to compare it to all sorts of other activities which a college or university might invest significantly more money in. Say at a Division three school, 
you know, NCAA Division Three school, I'm going to guess if it has a college radio station, more people will ever listen to that college radio station than will go attend a Division Three football game, frankly, or Division Three basketball game. You know, and yet significantly more money will be poured into these programs, which may in fact touch and benefit fewer students. Well, and often you have college radio stations that are some of the largest clubs and organizations on campus too. So the number of participants can be really high compared to a lot of other activities. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, there there are stations that are just powerhouses, so to speak. If I look at Seton Hall, SIU, which is relatively close by, I go to that station. I go there. I come. I come out of that station feeling re-energized because they're so, uh, you know, they've got such an incredibly professional and excited and enthusiastic team. So you go, you know, certain stations are actually, you know, they're not tiny. They're actually quite formidable in what they're doing. WSOU is a great example. I mean, it was a powerhouse station when I lived in New Jersey you know, more than 25 years ago. And I used to go out of my way to hear it because I was a metalhead. I still am a metalhead. And it was the only place you could really go to hear the cutting edge stuff on a regular basis. And uh, it is a powerful station for college station, but still not as powerful as the the commercial stations there in New Jersey. And it's uh, very gratifying to me to see how the stations continue to grow and continue to uh, really now take a leadership position in many ways in, in college radio as well. It gives me a little bit of that Jersey pride yeah, well, absolutely. And last year, of course, don't forget, they won the um, Marconi Award for Non-Commercial Station of the Year. So I know that was a big thing. I talked to Mark Mabin, the general manager over there, and I think there was a real feeling when they won that, that it's sort of, I mean, they didn't need to win it, but winning it was very nice. It sort of solidified, made it official that they're doing a bloody good job and that they are really, I mean, I, I, frankly, I don't know how they get away with, with it, really. It's a Catholic institution, a lot of... Um, sisters and, and uh, religious people there and they're playing this like heavy metal i mean full full credit to them for doing that and for sticking to their guns and you know ultimately um, their success has i think probably brought them a level of protection as well um because the last thing any station wants of course is the dreaded email saying uh, by the way your license is being sold off um even you know fantastic stations like uh, back in uh, 2014 wres at georgia state university I mean, that was just a disgrace what happened to them because I thought they were a bloody brilliant station. And, you know, there's not much you can do. I think the best insulation and protection is to prove that you are a thriving entity on campus and that you serve a really important function connecting to the community and that if you were to shut down or be sold off, it would be a massive loss. But even then, even then, you can't communicate with some bloody-minded college administrator who's determined against all reason and logic to sell the license or to make some kind of arrangement like they did with RAS with um, Georgia Public Broadcasting. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, just, you know, stations do their best, but there, there, there have been some, I think, ridiculously stupid decisions. And don't forget universities and colleges, they always say, they always bang on about, you know, you come here, come to this institution, we'll help you find your voice. And then they literally take away something that gives them that voice or helps them express themselves. And not just you know silencing that generation of students, but entire future generations of students that will come as well. So it's it's an ongoing thing that occasionally you'll see um, happen, um, and it's a bit it's a bit depressing. I mean, I think um, once in a while you'll hear stories of this happening, and um, it's very hard to stop. A st- I don't think an effective method has been developed to stop a station. Right. Yeah. Really. WBRU. Yeah, that's another one, isn't it? Yeah. We hear at Radio Survivor every time we talk about one of these stations being sold, which, uh, you know, 
as far as our uh, personal moral compass is concerned, is a is a bad thing to happen to the world of radio and college radio and community radio. Um, we talk about. Uh, I always uh, Eric Klein here uh, posed the question to Jennifer Waits and to Paul Reese Mandel. Uh, well, what should a station do this year to stave off uh, the potential of somebody considering selling the station down the road? What's what are good steps to take now to strengthen your position that the station matters? And I know today here on this interview with you, Rob Quick, uh, you've been talking about some of those things. And College Radio Day, which is the reason why we're speaking with you now, is certainly a good opportunity for every college station to sort of um, put some of that uh, in the bank, proving the value to outsiders. Um, uh. the, the, the College Radio Day is a good day to sort of build up your, your file folder of proof that this station not only exists, but it has value and is part of um, a, a wider world of valuable things. College Radio is not just one station, but it's all of these stations. And it's not just one generation, but it's all of these generations. And I like what you just said, how one of the worst things that could happen to college radio is to have either uh, today's generation of young people or next year's generation of young people being robbed of the experience of getting their turn to to make radio and to, to grow uh, into that role. Because there's so much more that can come. We know that college radio is wonderful. I, I wanted to tell an anecdote and then... Uh, pass the baton back to you, Rob, to, to hear what you might have to say about it, where I went to visit a college radio station, which unfortunately is no longer with us, uh, germane to this conversation. And uh, one of the surprises uh, was that up on the wall at the college radio station, they had gold records that were gifted to them by the music industry, because in the 1980s, in the late 80s, early 90s, the college radio station was gifted these gold records in recognition of the fact that these uh, hit songs were boosted into the mainstream by the the DJs there at that station, and now you know the Beastie Boys is 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 a foregone conclusion. Of course, the Beastie Boys will be played on the radio, but back then it was it was college radio's contribution that um, that brought this good stuff out into the light. You know, indie music was boosted into the mainstream because college radio and the passion that the DJs had for music, it was an important factor. Yeah, well, I, obviously, um, I see those records too. I think, I think we got one here for Nirvana, never mind, right? We were given one, and then it was nicked by someone. Someone thieved it. <laughs> yes, they did. It was stolen. Um, uh, College Radio didn't have the influence that it used to have, obviously, because we now have Digital Era and all that. Um, but it did have, certainly, I believe, for a time, 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s even, Tremendous influence on perhaps breaking a band and getting them out there. But I think, you know, like all things, everything's, everything changes. But College Radio still is the place where bands go to get that first break. It's still a place where bands go to get any kind of on-air play whatsoever. It's, 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 I think it's a very important place they go to to get that important experience so they can learn how to do on-air interviews, how to do interior performances, that kind of stuff. And I do think it's still a place where actually a band can get broken and they can actually get that next big break and they can go on up onwards and upwards. But in terms of just to go back a second, in terms of go back into like, what can stations do right now? Um, I, I would refer you to an article, a really excellent article that was written about things that sta stations can do to save themselves. And it was written um, for this website. I think it's really good. You should check it out. It's called, I believe, uh, 
radiosurvivor.com. I don't know whether you're familiar. And the person who wrote this was uh, our own Jennifer Waits. And she wrote this excellent article that I have referred to others in college radio in terms of like, if you make yourself really a part of campus life, highly visible, and you're doing things with the community, because don't forget, uh, colleges and universities do events, they put on shows and they do things and they say to the community, come to these things. But how many of, uh, how much of the university reaches out, right? How much of the university is actively going out to places in the community, in the local towns in which they serve? Hardly anyone. College radio is there. College radio is at gigs. College radio is at galleries. College radio is at bookshops. College radio is doing all these things, sometimes doing these like little live remotes, and they are reaching out and connecting with the community in a way that perhaps would be considered way too informal for the, uh, for the university proper to do. But College Radio is doing it. And that's why I think um, when a station like RAS, for example, was sold off, it, you know, loads of people were, were devastated by that. And a lot of communities really suffer. But if you can prove to your university and you can actually tell them, hey, we're doing this, 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 and this, and this, then it, it makes it much, much harder for them to contemplate selling you or, or, or shutting you down. But then again, I can say all of that, and then it can just take one college president who's got it in their mind to, to sell it off, and they're completely committed to doing it. And you can't do anything about it. That's what I think is, you know, for the longest period of time, I think when we first started, people came to us and said, help, save our station. And we really thought we could do something. And I think the, the biggest lesson for us the last three, four years is to learn the lesson that we're almost sort of powerless really, as an outsider to any university uh, that wants to sell its station off. We, we, we really thought about it. We've tried. We've, we've bloody well tried. With We are RAS, to be RAS. We had 50 stations come together to do a simulcast um, to protest what was going on by uh, Georgia State University. And um, it didn't make one jot of a difference, unfortunately. Um, so what we've had to learn as an organization, the College Radio Foundation, we're now a charity, that organizes both College Radio Day and the Vinyl Thon and these, these station grants. What we've had to learn is our limits. Um, we've got to focus on what we're doing, and what we focus on is that we, in a very positive way, we, uh, our mission is to promote College Radio in all its forms. Um, I don't think our job is to save College Radio, because you could throw millions of dollars at that, and you'd just be throwing your money away. Um, we're not a save College Radio movement. We're, we're, we're a celebrate College Radio movement, really. Jennifer? Yeah, that, that brings up all sorts of conversations I don't want to get into about does college radio need to be saving? And, and there are definitely people out there who, who don't like the idea that college radio might need saving. Um, and, and I completely agree that it's, you know, the best thing is for stations to really make themselves valuable to their campuses and prevent these sorts of things from happening. Um, because you're right, once the train is in motion, it's very difficult to change people's minds if if they're dead set on selling a station or selling programming. Um, and you know, we were talking about WSOU a little while ago, and and that station at Seton Hall largely plays metal, but they also have members of their community come on the air regularly and. I think that's one of the best things that a station can do is to actually have people from the campus and administrators who come to the radio station and go on air and understand the value that the station has for the campus community and for the broader community. Yeah, it's proactive work to uh, maybe protect your station, but uh, 
isn't it nice that it also creates great radio? Like that's that's <laughs> the purpose of the community radio in the first place is to have people on to share those voices. Okay, well, can I ask you each a question then? Yes. Okay, so let me turn the table. So what is each of you answer this question? And maybe you have the same answer, roughly. What is, in your definition, then, great radio? I'll go first, and I'll just use, Rob, what you said earlier in today's interview, that when people who genuinely like something are given the opportunity to, uh, to say why they like it to the audience, um, in a way that clearly um, so much of, of what has become radio uh, has removed that element, the human element, that's the easiest answer. So people who like things for real reasons getting to share that, and that can, that can be related to music, and that can be related to news and talk, and that can be related to um, you know the most powerful and pressing political issues of life and death right now, and it could also just be about... Um, why I like books, right? But all of these things, that full spectrum is, uh, is where good radio comes from. Jennifer? So I would agree the human element is an important part of what makes great radio for me. I'm a bit odd because um, to me, great radio can be all kinds of things. You know, I've, I've, I've stuck around in my car listening to a high school radio station airing a little documentary review piece they did about a local fast food restaurant one time because I was riveted by it. And I don't know if that would be considered great radio by other people, but for me it was because it was unexpected and, you know, just something different. And so it, it caught me by surprise. Um, I also enjoy live when things are live, like an interesting talk show where I don't know what's going to happen next. I enjoy it when, a DJ does a very creative transition between a piece of music to another piece of music or mixes in spoken word. So for me, it's all of that. It, it is the unexpected. And I, I will take that any day over sort of corporate controlled, syndicated programming that you might hear over every single station across the country. I would, I would ret- much rather hear something that is a little bit different. To me, great radio respects the listener, whether it's one listener, thousands of listeners, or millions of listeners, and respects the community or communities that they're talking with and to. And, and that can come out in lots of different ways. I think you respect the listener when you expose folks to new art, new ideas, I think you respect the listener sometimes when you challenge them, maybe intellectually or challenge even their sense of what can be music, what can be art, but when it's done with the sense of engagement, right? And and knowledge that there is a listener there and that their value to you is not only a number on a rating sheet that demonstrates that you can uh, sell X amount of Coca-Cola or McDonald's. Look, a commercial radio station can do this too, I think. I don't think commercial radio yeah. is, is inherently not able or willing to um, respect a listener or create great radio. It's sort of a fact of history <laughs> and regulation that too much commercial radio simply doesn't, but it does exist. But what we see time and again is that non-commercial radio and particularly 
I think college and community radio truly engages with listeners, often one-on-one. I mean, it's it's really only community and college radio stations where you can still call a request line and probably talk to the person who is behind the microphone right now. Yeah, I, I often take the opportunity just to call and say, hey, this is great. Thank yeah. you. And or I love that. If not, you know, or I am or, you know, uh, email that person or sometimes, they, you know, stations have text messages and, and interact directly with the person who is on the air in that moment and have that one-to-one connection in addition to that one-to-many connection. To me, that's that's what makes for great radio. I would like to add that I want to um, amend my statement because I have also heard great radio all over the dial too. I've heard great commercial radio. I've heard great radio on syndicated religious stations. I've heard great radio on high school stations, on college stations, on community stations, on public radio stations. So I I don't want any of my commentary to indicate that the only radio I like is college radio or high school radio. I, I hear great things all over the dial, but I think that human element and the element of the unexpected is what will capture me any, every single time. Well, can, can I just throw something in here? Can I, can I throw in a possible suggested topic for a future podcast? Please. Uh, what about Twitch replacing radio in the future? Because Twitch, as you well know, is an online st- uh, gamer streaming community. Mm-hmm. And people who watch Twitch can contribute discussion and, and interact with the people who are gaming live when they're gaming who then will respond and interact with them in much the same way that college radio you can sometimes contact the dj and talk to them yeah and twitch is one of the fastest growing uh, online communities in the world i like it i i just uh, last week watched twitch with my sixth grade son and we actually uh, were watching somebody train an artificial intelligence program that they had, had created to play a video game with while a community of People in the audience uh, offered suggestions and helpful hints and dumb things, but it was I. Li- I just wanted to add the, to the mix that Twitch is already a world of um, outside of what people would traditionally think is just games. You're not just watching someone play a game; you're really watching communities form around these these pieces of art and uh, some c- celebrations of old things and new things. So, of course, yeah, there could certainly be. Um, bands and music in the mix there on that streaming platform it's not too dissimilar to some things some aspects of college radio it's neat so rob quick can you remind us when and where people can tune into and learn more about college radio day well our website is collegeradio.org although i have to say i'm very excited and i believe that we will soon uh, own college dot radio because the new dot radio uh, domains went up for sale. Uh, I think they're being um, auctioned off by the European Commission or something. So we put in for college dot radio, which I think would be a great domain to have. And hopefully we'll find out next month whether that that is the case. But college radio.org is, is the website. And if you go to participating stations, you can click on, on there and, and, um, uh, Click on the state you're in, um, or click in any state. Be adventurous, live a little, and uh, see who's participating. We spent the entire summer doing these digital trading cards for each of the stations. It's kind of fun. And then you can see who's participating. You can click on there, and you can uh, listen to what they're doing. Um, And obviously, I would encourage you on that day to 
tune into your local college radio station or high school radio station if they're participating. Um, but yeah, I, I would say if you are just listening to this and you're into college radio or want to find out more about college radio, tune in and hear what they're doing. It's a great day to start, and hopefully you, you stay listening beyond the day. And what is the day? Uh, Friday, October 6th. Friday, October 6th is College Radio Day. We've been talking with founder Rob Quick. Thank you so much for joining us on Radio Survivor. Uh, Thank you for having me. Rob Quick, founder of College Radio Day here on Radio Survivor with me, Eric Klein, Paul Rees-Mendel, and Jennifer Waits. And uh, we talked a little bit about why college radio matters to us as individuals. And we would love to hear from you, the listener, especially if you have a college radio experience that was formative in your uh, in in you becoming who you were. We heard Paul Riesmandel's origin story, how college radio changed him. I think Jennifer Waits has shared her college radio origin stories a number of times on on the podcast. But we'd love to hear your college radio origin story. You can email us podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Send us an audio commentary. Tell us your story into the voice app of your phone and email that to us and we'll we'll use it on the air if you give us permission. Podcast at radiosurvivor.com. And you can uh, learn more about anything we talked about on the show at our website, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This is episode number 110. As well, I want to remind you that we are a listener and reader supported enterprise. It's because of folks like you that we can keep doing what we do to learn how to support what we do. We'd love it if you would go and check out our page, radiosurvivor.com slash support. Also, um, wherever you listen to the show, please please subscribe. So if you're listening on the radio, well, be good to that radio station. (laughs) Be good to X-Ray FM. Um, If you're listening in a podcast app, please subscribe so you get it every single week. And if you have the opportunity to rate it like you can in Stitcher or you can in iTunes, drop us a review. It helps other people find the show. We'd really appreciate it. Something really simple, really quick, but it really, really, really does help because podcasting is not like the radio. People don't just turn on the radio and there it is people have to find us and you can help people find our show and and a really easy way you can do that as well is tell somebody about it we really really appreciate it jennifer any final thoughts listen to college radio yeah listen to college radio on college radio day which is october 6th and then listen to college radio the day before and the day after as well and and and, yeah and and keep listening to radio survivor we really appreciate that you spent another hour with us every minute you spend with us is valuable to us and we really really appreciate you tuning in thanks jennifer for putting together that interview with rob and thank you sure thank you bye bye